You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Joining me by phone today, Deaconess Sarah Lemon. She's a deaconess, a wife, and mother, and uh, has some thoughts and, and insights to share with us about young children in worship. Deaconess Sarah Lemon, welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you. So good to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about, uh, well, you, you have many hats, uh, many vocations. Uh, what led you to consider this vocation of deaconess? I was a student at River Forest, and I became just, I fell in love with the theology classes, and I was an education major, but I wasn't getting all of the theology classes I wanted, and I had some friends in the Deaconess program, and I asked what that was, and they explained, and it just, it fit. So that's what I went with. So you, you had the, the privilege of studying theology. And tell me about that formation of becoming a deaconess. What are the, the How would you describe that, that vocation of deaconess? There is an emphasis on serving. So it's constantly learning how best to serve your neighbor, setting aside your own desires, um, trying not to impose your own thoughts or advice, but really seeking out the best way to love your neighbor, whether that's in a parish, caring for other parishioners, other lay people, um, or supporting a pastor by getting some things off of his plate, um, things that not, not, not things that are unique, of course, to the pastoral office, but helping with a shut-in visit, um, helping to visit the sick in the hospital things like that, and praying for your pastor, of course, which all day people are hopefully doing. Um, But also, I served in an institutional setting, so the way that looked was visiting residents in a nursing home um, in their rooms and talking about Jesus, yes, but also talking about their family, talking about their losses. Um, They've lost their home by that point. They're living in a nursing home. They've lost their health. They've lost all sorts of things. And to steer a conversation like that back to Christ and the cross and the gifts that we have in the Lord that we will never lose, but that just keep building and building until the culmination of eternal life. So a vocation of, of care and service and mercy uh, for others, all centered in the, that work and life of Christ and how he so... Uh, enables you to do those acts of mercy and, and care and service. Well, and, and your other vocations, wife and mother, tell me about your family. My husband, Stan, and I met at Concordia University. I say River Forest because that's what it was called at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we got married as soon as he finished his degree um, so that we could be married on my internship And um, we have been blessed over our 10 years of marriage with three children. Um, Our daughter, Lucille, is seven, and she is currently in first grade. Our son, Henry, is four. He'll be five in two weeks, and he is in preschool. And then our youngest, Evelyn, is two and a half. So a house full of, uh, 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 well, just a house full of kids and a, a happy, healthy family. What does Sunday morning look like for the Lemon family? (laughs) Um, it's hectic. It's hectic getting everyone out the door. Um, and once we get to church, 
it's actually, it's a bit of a blessing. Our church is, is small in um, building size, but not in attendance. So by the time we get there at 10 till service, the only rows left unfilled are about the front five. So it forces us up front, which is a blessing with our children because they can pay better attention. If they're up close, they can pay better attention. We have a family, a couple that's probably in the age range of our parents that are good friends of ours, and we sit with them in the pew. So then our kids are sitting with us and sitting with the other couple, and we're all helping to keep them focused on the service. <laughs> and so they've become uh, kind of like a, a part of the family through your congregation and, and worship life. The, the, this older couple has become a part of your family in some ways, it sounds like. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and do the do you find, how do you find that to be a benefit uh, for the children, for you, and for them, too? It we look at the service through fresh eyes. So instead of sitting down and thinking, oh, it's the same setting again this week, we're thinking of ways to get the kids' attention and things that the kids can participate in. Oh, it's the same setting this week. That's great. They're going to remember the words to this canicle or they're, they're going to know what's coming next. We like that reliability. And the other couple, their children are in their 20s and 30s, and now they've got a whole new set of kids. I suppose whether they like it or not, <laughs> they have our three to um, also talk with during the service about the about mm-hmm. the service, not about other things, of course. Sure, and I, just recently in uh, in an Advent service with our family, we have a three year old son and. Uh, I was asking him to find, uh, can you find, uh, point to the, the things that are blue? Can you tell me where, you know, show me where there, where you see blue things, uh, in the sanctuary. And, and he was, of course he wasn't so quiet about it. Daddy blue, daddy blue. <laughs> it, it, and we have some banners that said, can you find the angels, the angels in the, in the sanctuary? And so he pointed to the angels on the, the banners and, uh, then trying to direct his attention to pastor and, uh, to to listen for certain words. Uh, what? It, how do you talk through the service with your kids, or, or what do you have them looking for to engage them during the service? We do the key words as well. We have them listen for certain words during the sermon. Um, the sermon is, is the time we struggle the most to get them to pay attention so we can pay attention. There are weeks sometimes in a row that I don't get to hear what I would like to hear during the sermon because I'm distracted taking care of a little one as well. Um, We also, we make it a practice in our own home. I think it's really important what you're doing in your own home plays a big part in how Sunday morning goes. So because it's a routine in our home to say the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, it becomes something they can participate in at church. Um, even they can, they can recite the Nicene Creed in church, even though that's not what we're saying every day at home, wow. just because it, it complements it. it. It goes, it's similar, but they're, they're also hearing that every Sunday as well. Um, even our two-year-old can pick up on key words in those prayers. We also, we're pretty musical. I, I mentioned to you that I teach music part-time, and so the kids know some of the, 
um, some of the words to canticles or the, just the sung responses, even if it's just amen. And they get a little bit of a charge out of getting to sing along with the whole congregation on those parts. Um, our seven-year-old is learning to read, so she's thrilled to have her own hymnal. And we haven't done this in a while, but we have a couple of personal hymnals that we've taken along as well because they're more child-sized, they're more child-friendly. And then they can follow along, turning pages, even though they can't read, they can see that, oh, there's a reason that we're moving along, or, or oh, look at the music, or look at the, the beautiful pictures in our hymnal, so... So there, there are visuals, and there's even something somewhat tactile, too, with the hymnal. something for them to hold with their hands. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that I like to take to church is the story Bible that Concordia Publishing House puts out. Um, this was not so much true over the summer, but now that we're back in the church year, at the beginning of the church year, we can follow along with the story each week in the book. And then it gives us this beautiful picture, this non-cartoony picture that they'll ask questions about because not all the words make sense to them, but the pictures do. Why is this person praying? Why is this person looking sad? Things like that. that those are, are, are deep questions. We haven't gotten to those yet. Have, <laughs> as your children grow, what are some of the, the, uh, the milestones, some of the joys that you've seen as the, you know, those milestones that they reach when it comes to uh, paying attention to what's going on in in the service. I really enjoy when our kids say, Mommy, he said this. They, Our son and our daughter both go to Lutheran schools, and they, the teachers do a good job of teaching them about the story that's coming up in the lectionary. And so we were talking about one of the stories coming up Um, and they had been asking all these questions about it. And then we get to the service, and they hear the reading, and they're saying, Mommy, this is what we talked about. And they hear the sermon, and I guess guess we must have spoken in a doctrinally sound way because Pastor (laughs) preached about the same things that we had been discussing in our home. So um, that was something to rejoice in for a couple of reasons. Um, It's also wonderful just to hear them pick up on the words, like my two-year-old folding her hands with everyone and saying um, evil, bread, um, (laughs) just key words in the Lord's Prayer as we go along. It's it's encouraging. You mentioned earlier how uh, another family sits with your family and just helps. What are the ways that this, uh, this couple helps your family and helps your children particularly um, and, and, and by helping them helps you, uh, what are the ways that they do that just by sitting there? What is it that, you know, by them sitting there, what is it that's helping? I find that my children are more comfortable acting out around me than they are around someone other than me. Um, and I think this is true in most facets of life with mom and dad, they can be comfortable and a little more rebellious, but with not a stranger, but someone else, another authority figure, they might be a little more respectful. And that seems to be true in the pew. So my two-year-old would not sit still on my lap, but she will sit still on the lap of this female friend of ours. And um, so then 
my female friend is folding her hands, encouraging Evelyn to do the same, and saying prayers with her. This friend of mine also happens to be an art teacher, so she brings crayons along, and she'll draw pictures, and she'll compliment what pastor is saying or what we're reading that day out of the liturgy. She'll compliment that with something that she's drawn. Nothing, you know, incredibly <laughs> elaborate, but maybe she'll draw a donkey because we're going to hear about Jesus, or this last Sunday, Jesus going into Jerusalem. What do the what do the kids call these friends uh, that that sit with your family? They we like to teach our kids to call people by their last names. So, mm-hmm. Mister and Mrs. Wee <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, I, I'm sure that uh, it sounds like the the kids enjoy this too. They enjoy having another family join them. They do very much so, and like you had mentioned, they have become. Um, family for us, like a church grandma and a church grandpa, (laughs) and they come to birthday parties. We like to meet up even just as couples, even though they're more like our parents' age. um, I've found that having friends who have kind of been through it and seen out the other side of raising children is quite a blessing and can be more encouraging at times than just bonding in solidarity with other young mothers. (laughs) (laughs) That was just what I was going to ask you. What do you see as the, the benefits of families like this connecting within a congregation that, that where it's not a homogenous group? There are families across the age spectrum, and so there, there, there are families within this body of Christ that are connecting and supporting one another. What do you see as any other benefits that you see from that? You mentioned that you, you see each other outside of worship, outside of you know, church gatherings. Yes. There's a building one another up in love aspect, certainly. I think I'm a, having worked in a nursing home for several years, um, it's important to me to have intergenerational interaction for my kids, even for myself. I think it, it gives us a new perspective. Suddenly then, instead of getting all irate about, just pick an item, pick something, you have an additional perspective that can, I don't know, lighten the mood and, um, and show you that there are so many things, there are so many things in life that you don't need to worry about every little thing. My two and a half year old is not potty trained, but that's okay because we're going to get to that point. It will happen eventually. You know, it, there's encouragement there, um, from someone who's been there already. I hope that makes sense. Uh, yes, I yes. <laughs> what if, how did, how did this relationship begin? How did, you know, what, what broke down that, that wall, if there was a wall? What, how did this even, this whole idea begin of your family sitting together and this mutually beneficial relationship? You know, this particular relationship began pretty early on in our membership at this congregation. We've only been at this church about two and a half years, and I think because of our my older daughter's interest in art and the fact that I mentioned Mrs. Wiemiller is an art teacher, I think that kind of helped to spur things on. Um, if I remember correctly, our son, Henry, who was two at the time, um, launched a Hot Wheels car in the middle of a service right between them. <laughs> and I, I believe that that kind of started, oh, hi. 
we're the lemons. <laughs> but um, if if we want to back up a little further, when before our first daughter was born, I was a church organist. So when Lucy was born, I I still needed to play for our church, and that left my husband with a newborn. And this was in a different parish out in Pittsburgh. But there was a couple there, again, around the age of our parents, actually a little bit older, who would sit with my husband and then help him anytime Lucy Foster or if he needed something. And so when we came to this parish that we're at now, um, we knew that we needed a couple like that. We knew that we wanted a second church family, so to speak, just because that had it had worked so beautifully during our time when I was on the organ bench and, and Stan had an infant to take care of. <laughs> and, and much appreciated, it sounds like. What, yes. how can we, how can we initiate conversations or, or um, make the, the most of opportunities to do that? You know, you see a young family sitting in church and you can tell it might perhaps be a struggle for them. And perhaps some of those might think, you know, this is just too difficult. It's too challenging to try to, uh, to finagle two kids, three kids, even just one kid, uh, in divine service on Sunday. And so then the following Sunday, it's just, it's more of a challenge for them to even get there. They, they, they end up finding themselves, just uh, less motivated to go. And then, uh, what do you know, uh, a month later, they haven't been to church in three, four weeks because they're just reluctant to go because of the challenges they face um, with trying to... They're afraid that maybe others are are uh, critical of them or that they're distracting others because their their child is being noisy or disruptive. Um, how can we... What can we do to work around that? That's a great conversation that should be had, I would hope, in each in each parish. Um, for the young family, for a young mom especially, I think it's really important to remind to remind young mothers that your own child is most likely the loudest in your ears than anyone else's. Other people are most likely not as bothered by your child as you are, um, first of all. I think that once we are, like as, as someone who I feel I'm moving out of the stage of having really small, inconsolable children, um, I think it's important for us to see those families with infants and with toddlers and to go and find something to compliment, to not, not critique them, but to say, oh, I really liked when um, your little one was, was sitting still at this point, or I really liked when your little one folded her hands, or I saw how she was looking up at pastor during the sermon. I wonder what she might have learned from that moment, or are you, are you talking about this with her at home? Not in a way of judging her, of course, but just to, to prompt, oh, I guess I, I could do that. I, I could bring something from Sunday home with me. Um, I, I think we can find positive things to acknowledge in order to kind of overshadow the frustrations because it's so easy to get caught up in everything that our kids are doing wrong that sometimes I think I know I miss when they're doing things right. 
Hmm. How <clears throat> how do you think your relationship with the uh, the older couple that sits with your family? How do you think it benefits them, or they, the or the congregation as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> they tell us each week. They they tell us they they love our family. They tell us they love our kids, um, and. I think that they look forward to coming each, I think they looked forward to coming each Sunday before we got there too, but I think that they look forward to having our kids sit with them because Mrs. Wiemiller will tell me, oh, I am so excited I got this new pad of paper for Evelyn to use during church today. Um, Or she'll say, oh, I brought them a treat for after church, is that okay? And, um, And they like that sort of thing. I think they also enjoy the comments that my kids will make during the service because they'll tell me things that my son or my older daughter have said to them about the service afterwards. So my son Henry will will hear pastors say, um, refer to Satan, and he'll whisper to Mrs. Wiemeller, that means the devil. Like he, <laughs> he'll hear these things and he'll pick up on them and he wants to make sure that that Mr. and Mrs. Wiemeller know what's going on too, um, which is really sweet. So I think that they um, they are encouraged at the fact that our children are paying attention and gleaning something because they also have grandchildren, other grandchildren in other congregations. And it I think it encourages them for what those grandchildren might be um, picking up that we're not aware of. What do you think uh, as a congregation, you mentioned this earlier, that it was important to you that there would be an intergenerational uh, aspect to, to life in the congregation. How do you think that benefits the congregation as a whole? I think that it encourages the young mothers that, the children are not a bother. But I also think it can rejuvenate the older families as well who might um, might be more prone to getting stuck in the way things have been or should how they think things should be. I think it, it encourages dialogue. Not that I think the, the church should be constantly changing, but that they can find a way to rejoice in the consistency in the church, in the service as well. Um, I think also it encourages participation. So in the parishes that we've been in, the there have been older generations that have really been in charge of things and really been responsible for getting things done around the parish. But when they're in dialogue with the younger generations and even um, whether that's family or not, it encourages some younger people to step up and take on leadership roles within the church. And by leadership roles, I mean just even building maintenance or, um, or directing choir or wanting to fill in on the organ bench, um, things like that. I think it, it's essential to the, the life of a church to have the older generations encouraging those who are younger, and to have the younger generations rejoicing in this legacy that is instilled within each parish because of 
our excellent Lutheran theology because of our divine service that continually points to Christ. I think, I think it's a necessity. Deaconess Sarah Lemon, wife and mother, thanks so much for sharing with us your ideas and insights and uh, just really valuable points on uh, how we approach worship with young children. It really is an intergenerational approach. Thanks so much for being my guest today on Faith and Family. Thank you. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.